Hello everyone and welcome to the Champions Cast here on ZeldaDungeon.net. My name is Andy Spateri, joined as always by Allison Aletha, the best in the biz, as we like to say. Al, how you doing? I am doing... I, I'm doing pretty good. I'm having a good, like, week and a good weekend. I finally got my tattoo. It's awesome. I got a bunch of cool stuff yesterday. I've been getting back into Pokemon cards the last few months, and I got a bunch of good ones on an auction yesterday. So I'm feeling pretty, like, pretty dandy. How are you doing? I'm doing great, actually. Uh, you want to hear a funny story? Sure, let's Pokemon go Pokemon cards? Yeah. All right. So last last Friday on the 8th, last last Friday on the 8th, Metro Dread comes out, right? Right. And I'm just like, uh, my my special edition hasn't shipped from Amazon. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go to my local EB, which is GameStop for you Americans. And I'm going to just go and line up and get myself a copy. So I'm in line talking to a bunch of other people. We're all, we're all chatting. We're all having a great time. Most people are there for Metroid or the Switch OLED. But there was also like a new expansion of Pokemon cards that came up this morning mm-hmm. or that morning. Yep. And there's this one old dude there. He's like 60. He's got like a classic curly mustache, <laughs> like gray curly mustache. This dude is just like, I'm here for the Pokemon cards. And we're <laughs> like, all right, man, that's cool. He's just like, yeah, I've got like eight stacks of like the the Deoxys X Ultra Magma set under my bed. And we're like, okay, cool. And so this dude walks into to EB. He walks out with like four decks of Pokemon cards, and I bet I would bet anything that was all the the decks that they had. We then watch him walk across the parking lot. He goes into London Drugs. This old man rolls out with I I swear to God a dozen cases of these Pokemon cards. So he obviously oh bought gosh. up everything that that store had. So this old guy is definitely like a dirty scalper and he's on oh. Facebook Marketplace right now selling them for for like triple the, the asking price. Oh man. But it was like it was so ridiculous cuz it was like not who you would expect to be, you know, marching over and, and getting Pokemon cards. Yeah. Uh I mean, hopefully he's just like a collector and he's been a collector for the last, you know, 25 years. That's what you would hope for. But yeah, come on. I mean, I'm I I wasn't able to get my hands on any of the new uh expansion until yesterday so because they've all been sold out so i mean damn scalpers but (laughs) yeah yeah that's the moral of that story um so yeah all right we have um we have a ton so we did majora's mask ask us anything i'm excited to talk about majora's mask because i feel like we haven't really touched on it since uh the anniversary really since we did the 20 year anniversary Yeah. yeah which um, it's like last my, my February. Goodness, it was almost two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's closer to two years than one year ago at this point, which is crazy. It's crazy how long we've been doing this Zelda podcast, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I think about that sometimes because I've been on for like two years now. And yeah, it's it's crazy because you don't think about it every week. You're just like, okay, I'm going to go talk to Zelda with my pal over here. And it's been two February years. February is going to be four years for me. Wow. Like, people ask me all the time. It's like, how do you come up with new stuff every week? And, and I'm just like, I don't know, actually. I'm not sure. <laughs> Anyways, so we've got Majora's Mask questions coming up uh, later in the show. And, and we have a ton of them. But before we get there, there are a few things that I want to talk about, Allison. And I want to pick up where we left off. I was telling you before we started, before we press play, that uh, I need to do an ad for Captain N, because right now, over on the Virtual Theater Patreon page, Gooey Fame and I have launched Season 2 of the 
let's call it the Nintendo Animated Expanded Universe episodes. So we covered the Legend of Zelda cartoon, and there was 13 episodes of that, and we broke down each episode. And we are starting on our adventure of Captain N. Al, you said that you did not know what Captain N was. Would you like me to tell you? Uh, Yeah, go for it. I have no idea what it is. All right. So... Uh, first of all, to anybody that is in a similar boat, you don't know what Captain N is, all the episodes are available for free on YouTube, okay? So you just have to search it, and you will find it. And if nothing else, watch the intro, because it is absolutely bonkers. But the general gist is this. So there's this kid in the real world named Kevin and his dog Duke, and they're played by live actors, by the way, and they get zapped into the video game land, uh, and they are the, the prophesized hero that is going to save the video game land from the evil Mother Brain. Now, that's Mother Brain from Metroid, which is hilarious because the writers of the show have no idea who Samus was, who what Metroid was, anything like that. And they really had no idea what any of these characters really were, which is hilarious. So, like, you have, like, the N-Squad is what they're called. So you have Kevin, who's the main hero. You have Duke, his dog. You have Princess Lana, who's kind of like your generic damsel in distress. And then, this is where things get good. You have Simon Belmont, who is like, obviously from Castlevania, but there's nothing in common with the video game version, except that he has a whip. He's like this giant jock. He's almost like Groose or Gaston, but much, much worse. Um, <laughs> you have Mega Man, who for some reason is like two feet tall and talks like a frog. And he's like very trollish in his movements. You have Kid Icarus who is uh, actually probably the most faithful to his video game adaptation, where he's like the short little angel who fires a bow and adds ickus every time that he says something. And that's your group. And these guys go around, and uh, it's it's weekly episodic television, and they're, they're thwarting plans from the evil mother brain. And, like, it's almost kind of like Kingdom Hearts, where, like, they go to, like, different video game worlds each week. So, like... One week will be um, the Zelda world, and then they'll go to, like, Donkey Kong land. Donkey Kong shows up in, in episode one, by the way, and he's, like, a, just a giant King Kong-looking dude. So it, it was the most surreal, unbelievable, bizarre experience. And I, I encourage everybody to watch it at least once, just to see what the heck it is. And if you feel like throwing a couple bucks, me and Gooey's way, we'll, uh, we'll take you on a ride throughout the whole series with us in the next coming weeks, months, and maybe even year until we finish this. Oh so my gosh. That's that's something that we launched. It, it, go go check out the intro, if nothing else. And if that doesn't sell you, I don't know what will. That just sounds... I don't even know what that sounds like. Like, it, <laughs> I, <laughs> if, if you thought the Zelda cartoon was bonkers, you, like, this is... That's nothing. Compared to this, like, that's just a straightforward, nice Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. I, I can see that. I, I, I can see what you're saying, and it's just, like, hard to picture these characters put together. I don't know. Like, I definitely have to check it out. It It is the most bonkers <laughs> piece of Nintendo-related uh, thing. It, 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 it just defies words. You have to go check it out. It actually started as a comic in Nintendo Power. Oh, wow. Um, FYI. Okay. Yeah, so uh, very cool. Maybe I'll release the first episode... Uh, in a couple months' time, as a bonus, kind of like we do to the Zelda cartoon. But um, yeah, that's virtual theater Patreon. Uh, if you if you're willing and you're interested, go and check it out. Tons of other great stuff there. Tons of other bonus shows and movie talk and all that good stuff. So yeah, let's talk about uh, Super Smash Bros. for a second, Al, because I don't think that we touched on it last week. 
Um, Did we? I don't think so either, which is strange because it happened, you know. The yeah, it feels <laughs> like something that we would have. Yeah, but I think we were so excited about Metroid that we just totally glossed over it. That is true. Yeah, that is true. All right, so the journey known. By the way, actually, before before we get going there, I had like a ton of messages from people that were like, "Hey, I've never checked out Metroid before, but after listening to you and Allison talk about it, like I'm I'm either playing Dread or I'm playing Super Metroid for the first time." Um, I, I love that stuff, and thank you everyone for sharing that. It it like literally makes my day when I get messages like that. So that's awesome. Uh, thank you to everyone that messaged. Um, but Super Smash Bros. Ultimate is at an end it is coming to an end and by the time that you guys are all listening to this actually sora will have been released as the last downloadable fighter and it's kind of hard not to feel a little bit sad that this journey is coming to an end because like i know that you're, you're not even like a big fan of smash al but like it's still kind of exciting to see like all right who's the character gonna be or like what's the reveal gonna be and, and stuff like that and uh i guess i just wanted to to know your thoughts on Sora as the last character, if you have any, you know, affinity or whatever for him, and just your, I guess, your thoughts on Smash coming to an end after all this time. Um, yeah, so I'm not a huge Smash fan, not because I don't like it or anything, it's just that I don't ever have a reason to play, I'm not very good, and when I play with friends, I just suck, so I often not play, but I do with my family sometimes, so that's kind of my relationship with it, and I would agree, I mean, like, I always got excited when there was a new character reveal because who doesn't want to know who's going to get into Smash Bros? Like, when I do play it, who? why wouldn't I want to know all the characters that are in there, especially as a huge Nintendo fan? You know what I mean? So I always got excited during the announcements. Some of them were flops for me, and I was just like, eh, okay, whatever. But this was the last one, so I ha like, of course I had to pay attention to it, and of course I was at work at the time, so like, what's new with that? But I was in my office and I closed the door because I was I had this like feeling that it was gonna be super exciting. It's the last character, and so when I saw you know the Keyblade, I love watching reaction videos to this uh, like revelation because like a lot of people are super hardcore Kingdom Hearts fans and they've just been waiting for this moment and I was so excited for them. But I was excited for me too because I played Kingdom Hearts one and two when I was uh, like a young preteen. So, like, 15 years ago, I was into the series. I didn't, like, continue it um, beyond that point. I just thought it was really good, right. the first two. And I do really like Sora. So, I got goosebumps. I was just like, yes, this is this is perfect. This is amazing. I just thought it was such a cool thing to bring into the series that so many people love, connecting two different, like, franchises. And... I was shocked that they were able to even get Sora to begin with. But, yeah, I got goosebumps because uh, Simple and Clean started playing. And he's flying around and everybody's waking up. And it was a very, very good, satisfying, well-done reveal, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with uh, everything that you just said, actually. I, I too, I, I remember I played the first Kingdom Hearts and I really liked it. I played the second Kingdom Hearts and I was like, this is really cool. And I even played the Game Boy Advance Kingdom Hearts, which had cards as your main battle, like, format. And we all know how much I enjoy using cards in a video game. So I was just, even that, I was just like, okay, this is kind of neat. Um, but I really fell off after that because it mm -hmm. was like all the weird sequels where it was like Dream do Drop Dash Dodge whatever. And like <laughs> the Kingdom Hearts, like, two point 
eight and a fourth or something like that. I was just <laughs> like, this is this is enough. I know. So, and um, like three didn't even get me back into it. You would think three, the big like game that everybody's yeah. waiting for would get me back in or get people like us back into it. It didn't. But I think this did. Well, I actually own Kingdom Hearts 3. I bought it for um I bought it for like 15 bucks. Wow. <laughs> like it, I just I haven't I haven't played it yet. But it like and it's it's been a long time since I played Kingdom Hearts 1 Chain of Memories and 2, but I I seem to remember that Kingdom Hearts 2 kind of like wrapped up the story a little bit for me. And maybe it didn't, but uh I I remember feeling satisfied after that game. Anyways, so I I kind of fell off Kingdom Hearts as well. But I I was I was pretty excited for everybody that was super excited about Sora and Smash. And he, he'd been like the guy that people have been saying forever and ever and ever that they wanted mm-hmm. to see in Smash. I I think on like a, a personal level for me, like I wasn't very excited about Sora because I was like, okay, like that's like, I think if, if it would have been me, I would have had like Master Chief or um, even like Ryu Hayabusa, I think would have been a little bit more excited or like or a Zelda character maybe, but <laughs> I, I think that like you should you definitely needed to end on a third party character because those are more exciting at this point than a Nintendo character. But also like I was just you know taking aside my personal feelings, I was like, okay, this is awesome because Sora is a big character and like maybe I don't necessarily like him, but like so many other people do. He's definitely like an A list character. He won the Smash Ballot years and years and years ago, and I think we all knew that, but yeah. we all just kind of assumed that it would it was a licensing issue exactly. that was preventing him from getting in. So. Um, yeah, I, I thought that that was pretty exciting and pretty pretty cool. Although with that trailer, man, I, I was watching it and I was like, "What is going on?" Like, I thought that it was like Diablo coming into coming into Smash <laughs> for a second there. Like, yeah, I, I know some people were like, "It's Dark Souls," and I'd be like, "Okay, that's cool." So when Sora popped out, I was like, "All right," I wasn't expecting that at this point, but uh, cool. Yeah, I I just thought you know, for me, not being such a huge fan of either things like but getting that nostalgia feeling I think is what really hit me um and then yes I love I uh immediately like on TikTok all that day there was all these people reacting to the announcement and it was just so fun to see these people just freaking out because that's who they wanted they've wanted him for years so I thought it was very well done and a a very good final like that was that it was very satisfying even as a not huge fan yeah, I, I always go back to um, E3 2018, I want to say, 2018 mm-hmm. or 2019, um, 2018, they have the they have the reveal where Ridley is shown coming to Smash, and I just, like, lost my mind, I was so <laughs> pumped, and it's, it, like, that's the thing, it's, like, not everyone was pumped for Ridley, but yeah. I was pumped because it had been, like, such a long journey to get him into Smash, people wanted him in, like, Melee, and it just took so long, so, like, I feel like at least I think that everybody almost had one of those moments with the Smash Bros game where like they had one moment where it was like a character that they really wanted got in and it was like oh my god this is amazing Banjo Kazooie's in oh my god Cloud is in the Joker's in like I think that Smash really delivered at least one of those moments for everybody so it was pretty incredible. I I would agree with that for sure. I'm not like even after getting into Metroid, I'm not sure like I still I still don't understand the hype about Ridley. I've only played one Metroid game, though, so I guess I'll just have to see. Uh, by the way, by the way, there is evidence, evidence 
that Alice and Aletha was mistaken about her her false Ridley claims. Um, you can, in fact, beat Ridley just by shooting him right in the face. Which, yeah, that's, I, yes, you can. So I was incorrect about that. So, but my way well, is still but, a Hold thing. on, hold on. No. The- yes, but no, but before I bury you, though, I want to say that, like, there's a guy in our Omega Metro Discord who, who was, was on your side. He was like, I always have Ridley pick me up. Always. I've never not beat him that way. So... You know, that is valid. There's that. I just, what I'm upset about, and I'm, so I totally hear you. You can beat him up, you know, with just blowing his face off. And I did it. I did it after the fact. But I think it's really, really stupid that he gets down to zero health. There's math in this. I looked up the math. That you get him down to zero, exactly zero health, and he can keep coming for another 11 shots. 11! That's so dumb! Why? What is the point? Ooh, this is something that I'm, like, super salty about. <laughs> like, why? Oh, man. You know, apparently, it's a speedrunning strat to let him pick you up. So maybe, maybe that is uh, <sighs> true. I don't know. I just, I, I always just blast him in the face. Which is and fine. That seems to work for but me. But it takes 11 extra shots. Like, it's so unnecessary. I don't understand this decision. I don't get it. Well, uh, one thing that a lot of people didn't get, Alice and Aletha, was the pricing behind the Nintendo <laughs> 64 online yeah. expansion pass. First of all, before we get there, and I promise we're going to get to some of Jorah's Mask questions here eventually. Did you? Was there anything from the Animal Crossing Direct that, that stuck out to you? Oh, yeah, all of it. I was super excited. I'm not going to get into details because like, we don't need to, but... I what I wanted from that direct was a reason to get back into Animal Crossing and I think it did give me a reason. I once again they did they did a very good job at giving everybody something that they wanted or everything that they wanted and got people hyped to get back into the game. They did exactly what they were supposed to do and I'm excited for it. Yeah, from everything that I read, it, it seemed like they really knocked it out of the park and yeah. like I I don't have Animal Crossing. I'm one of the few that doesn't, but uh, it seemed like they really like delivered a, a meaty direct. Like there was they a lot did. of uh, there's a lot to chew on mm-hmm. for content wise. So yeah, that that was cool. But probably the biggest talk easily the biggest talking point coming out of that was the price point for the Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pass, as Nintendo likes to call it. Uh, it's more expensive than we thought it was going to be. Al, let's just put it that way. It is. It is. Yeah. Um, it's, it's roughly about, I think $50 per year for a single membership and $80 per year for a family membership. Mm -hmm. And that's American. So I'm going to be paying even more, which is too bad, Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, uh, you know, I, it's more expensive than I was anticipating. Um, I, I know a lot of people were not overly thrilled with that price point and I can understand why Uh, I can definitely understand why. I would say that it's it's a little bit like I I feel like it might be I don't want to say overpriced because I mean you do get like a ton of games with that and there's more coming but as as the service is right now it does feel like maybe they're charging a little bit more than what I would have expected uh, I'm still going to get it because I do feel that there is a lot of really great value in that especially when you consider like on the Wii U if you were to buy Let's just pull five games out of the air here. Yoshi's Story, Super Metroid, Mario Kart, Donkey Kong, and, uh, I don't know, Sonic or something. Like, that probably costs you 50 bucks right there, right? Mm-hmm. 
Now, the, the flip side of that is you own those games. And I do understand that, whereas this is just a streaming service. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it's not, like, outrageously overpriced. It's more than I thought it would be. And I heard, I heard a rumor. I don't know if this is true or not. But I heard a rumor that this actually had a lot to do with Sega and making sure that they were compensated for the um, for the Genesis games. I see. Which uh, apparently there was some beef where Sega games were sold for not enough money back on the, the Wii Virtual Console. And that's why the Sega games were not on the Wii U Virtual Console. Again, I don't know if this is true or not. But the price hike is rumored to have been uh, such so that Sega could get paid essentially, which is especially disappointing to me because i think like the vast majority of us getting this service like i mean no offense but like I, I, we don't really care about sega games right yeah. so if you're i'd rather pay ten dollars less and not have the genesis stuff because i just you know it's not something that i'm extremely excited for but i, I don't know what, what are what are your thoughts i know that you get the animal crossing dlc included with this as well so i think that might be an easier pill to swallow for like the 32 million people that have animal crossing <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. What do you think, Al? I think mostly it's the, it's not just, like, the DLC. It's the home, the happy home thing where you can do that online. Something about that. It's supposed, the DLC is supposed to be free content, basically. But the happy home stuff is, like, online. Sorry, the, the paid DLC is what I meant yeah, to say. Yeah, so, um, so that part doesn't really mess with me. I just... <laughs> I'm just kind of in this boat where I'm like, if you don't like the price, don't get it. Just don't get it. There are other ways to play Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask and all these other games that you're hoping to play. There are other ways. But, you know, what Nintendo's making it accessible through their online service. And I don't know how many times I have to say this, but they're a business and they have to make smart business decisions. $50 a year is $4 a month. So... I I did the math over on my Twitter, so I mean, if you follow me on Twitter, then you know. But um, I did the math, and I pay two hundred and forty a year for Netflix, one hundred and eight for Disney Plus, one hundred and sixty eight for Hulu, one thirty for Amazon Prime, and sixty dollars for Costco, and it doesn't bother me. Like, <laughs> you know, like I pay for those things monthly, and I feel like a lot of people pay for those things monthly. Not all of them, but you know, pay for those things monthly, and it doesn't bother them. So. Why does this mm -hmm. all of a sudden bother? You know what I mean? I just feel like it's very reasonable compared to a lot of other streaming things that people pay into. Yeah, uh, I, I don't disagree. I, I, I think that two things can be true at the same time. Like, it's more expensive than I wanted it, is, it to be. It is, yeah. For sure. Um, but I, I think that it's also probably a good value. I mean, like I said, I, I if you go and look up an N64 game on the Wii U Virtual Console, they cost uh eight dollars i think canadian mm -hmm. so eight of those is your subscription for a year and then plus you get the super or super nintendo ones plus you get the nintendo ones plus you get the genesis ones so i i actually think that it is a really great value but again two things can be true at the same time it's a great value but it's also more expensive than i would have wanted it to be mm -hmm. so i can understand people that are upset about it but i i'm kind of with you it's like Especially, like, we've heard so much about Metro Dread and should that cost $60 because Hollow Knight costs uh, $30. Like, the the problem with that was Hollow Knight should have cost more. And, like, it, it really is. It's like, if you don't think it's worth it, don't buy it. And that's totally yeah. fine. That's totally valid. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, totally. But, you know, it, it, it kind of is what it is. 
we can maybe talk about should prices be lower or higher as like a general industry and that's another conversation but for this i'm just like you know uh more expensive than i would have wanted but you know i'm, I'm still gonna get it because i i do think that it is a great value especially because i you know i pay uh netflix 120 bucks and i'm watching midnight mass and the thing has like six pixels on the screen and it's not buffering correctly and it's like what is going on here so <laughs> yes yeah and like Again, with those other, you know, streaming things, do you use, because somebody will be like the argument, I won't use this every day. Well, do you watch Netflix every day? Do you, like, you can get rid of your subscription. You don't, like, you know what I mean? Like, you you can do this for a short amount of time. Yeah, like, the thing about a service like this, and like any kind of subscription service, is like, you are encouraged to try things that you normally wouldn't. So, like, for example... Sin and Punishment is a game that I've heard a lot about over the last, uh, I don't know, 10 years. It was an N64 game that never came out in America. And um, it, it's available on the Wii Virtual Console and the Wii U Virtual Console. And it's like 10 bucks, And I'm like, ah, I don't want to play that because I don't know if this game is going to be any good or not. But like, if I'm paying X amount of dollars per year for the service anyways, and this game is included, which it is, I'm going to try it because it's there and it doesn't cost me anything. So... There you go. One other, uh, you know, and one other point that we should uh, point out as well: when Nintendo Switch Online launched, it was just NES games, right? Like it was just the NES games, and that was it. Mm -hmm. And over time, they added in the Super NES games, and they kept that uh, that line of like growing and growing. They added in new features like rewind and and all that stuff. So like, there is opportunity for this to grow and expand as well. And I think that it probably will, and that it should. And that the price should probably remain the same. I see. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. All right. Well, we, we're like half an hour in here. Should we get to some Majora's Mask questions? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. Buckle in, everybody, because there's like a lot of questions, actually. We're going to try and get to, uh, to all the questions here. So let's absolutely go. Let's start over on Discord. My buddy, Metroid35, uh, one of the, just a saint of a lady, by the way, Metroid 35. What is the cutest mask, and why is it the bunny hood? I love that question. I think that I could agree that maybe the bunny hood is the cutest mask. I, <laughs> I think I could probably agree with that. I do too. I love the bunny hood. It's probably one of the first few things I go run and get really quickly off the bat, just because I like going faster. And yeah, you know, looking at all the masks, some of them are kind of creepy looking. Some of them are just weird. Lots of them are creepy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I would say the bunny hood is definitely the cutest one. I'd say the only other contender maybe is the Keaton mask. Mm -hmm. uh, that That's the only one that you could maybe say is cute. I mean, the rest of, look at the stone mask. I mean, that's just like the ugliest thing you've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> just like this. Like, I, that, that one's so ugly that it's kind of cute actually. Oh no. Know? <laughs> um, But also I wanted to give a shout out to... uh to metroid 35 as well because she's sending me metroid dread and um i she she was like really adamant on sending it to me as a gift but i was like no i'm gonna compensate you but she bought like so many extra copies for her friends and stuff and i just thought that was super nice so shout out she bought a copy of metroid dread and donated it to the library yeah, so that people could play that's it. awesome she, she she's like legitimately a saint actually there's a big metroid dread giveaway uh stream going on that my uh, omega partner dak is involved in and i'll probably drop in and do some commentary um as well maybe we should just plug that really quick that is going down on 10 24 so not even uh not even that long away so there you go tune into that um all right let's keep going here charles xavier 
Besides Andrew's anguish, which side quest stands out the most? What do you think, Al? Uh, I have an answer, but let's let's hear what you got. I would say the first one that comes to mind is I don't know the proper name for it, but when you're saving the farm from the aliens or the ghosts or whatever the heck they are, that one is just right. like super prominent in my brain whenever I think of Majora's Mask because it's like anxiety inducing, you know? It's it's like silent realm before there was a silent realm you know (laughs) so i would say that one definitely sticks out to me the most you know what it's funny because i think that that one should have been the one that i think about because i cite that all the time on this show but actually the one that i immediately thought of was on day three when the moon is about to fall and the postman is still doing his job and you can like release him from his duty and he gets out of clock town and like it's just, it's a very quiet moment, but I, I just, I think that it's like very, very touching in a way. Cause like he's so committed to his duty that he's literally willing to face oblivion to do it. And like, you can release him from that and, uh, it, it, it's quietness. I, I it always kind of stuck with me. So it's not a long quest. In fact, it's really part of Andrew's anguish, but as its own little thing, mm-hmm. I, I think that it's like, I think it's very nice actually. Yeah, I agree. I like that one a lot. All right, uh, Twilight Falcon here has a question. Which of the three primary transformation masks do you think was best used in its respective area of the world and dungeon? I am going to cheat and say, I'm going to be honest, I think that all of them were used, like, yeah. very well. I, I, I really do. Like, I think that the, the, the Deku mask was used very well, and, like, the flowers were, like, very um, integral to finishing that dungeon. I think that the the rolling with the Goron was used like super super well in Snowhead, um, and particularly in the boss fight. And then I think that swimming felt really good in Majora's Mask. So I feel like they I feel like all of them were used like really really well. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. It's hard to pick exactly one. I feel like maybe you spend more time in the Deku Mask. Maybe that's just because the first three days you are in it. But I mean, like, when you're over in that side of the map and doing that portion of the game, I just feel like you're in the Deku Mask a little bit more. So maybe that one's a little bit more prominent in my brain. But otherwise, like, they did a really, really good job of incorporating those mechanics in each section of the game, in each dungeon, and each boss. So it's hard to pick exactly one. I, I think that I would say of the three, instead of one that that's um, best used, maybe I'll I'll take the one that's I don't want to say worst used. I I'm gonna take that back actually, but I I feel like the way that you utilize the Goron and Zora mask is like particular particularly excellent, whereas the Deku mask is kind of, um, it's still awesome, but maybe it's not. I, I think that maybe just like rolling and swimming using your magic is a little bit funner than hopping on water. Yeah. So I get what you're saying. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, sorry we kind of cheated there, but uh, I I think that that I think they're all awesome. So, all right, let's move on. Corey Richmond, how do you feel about the changes made in the 3DS remake, i.e., the changes to the bosses, swimming mechanics, bomber's notebook? Etc. What do you think, Al? Um, I I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of the giant eyeballs on the bosses. I but I 
uh, it's been a while since I've played the N64 version, so maybe it made it just a little bit easier. But otherwise, like the notebook, I really liked because it kind of felt more like you were able to check off things and see the schedule better. Um, the time jumping was a lot better to use. I've actually personally preferred the N64 swimming mechanics to the 3DS swimming mechanics. So it was like a mixed bag for me where I was like, yes, these are awesome changes, awesome quality of life improvements. But some of them I was like, eh, I kind of actually prefer the older version of the game. Oh, I, I think almost to to a point, I think everything that the 3DS did improved upon what the N64 version did, except for the big eyeballs on the bosses. I wasn't really yeah. super in love I with that. I think that, that was just, just it the was like, thing. Yeah, it was, it was just like kind of, I don't know, it was kind of cheesy. It was just like, hit here. Well, like, duh. It, we, we didn't need to be like, you know, beaten over the head with that. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that one other change, I loved it for... 99% of the game but there is and this is certainly just a me thing there is a point where when you can warp to the exact hour of the day mm -hmm. I kind of feel like it takes away a little bit from the Anju side quest because like some of that I feel like some of that um, reward and payoff when you complete it is that it took you like the full three days to do and it like it, you invested your time in it and when you can skip to like the exact hour and stuff it, it's not as like as much of a commitment to getting that done I, yeah. I'm sure most people would argue that that is a positive, but to me it was just kind of like a, not a negative, but like it, it the the payoff wasn't as rewarding. Because yeah, of I kind of get what you're saying. Like if I were, whenever I play it on the 3ds, I usually play it how I did on the N64, at least that side quest. But I could totally see it as beneficial if you're speedrunning 100% or if you've already done that side quest but you need to get it to a certain part because it branches off into a different side quest, um, i.e. the mailman yeah. or whatever, then it makes it's an awesome upgrade. But I get what you're saying because like part of it is experiencing the whole three days as they are experiencing it. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I, I think that's my point. Yeah. And, and to, to be clear, like, I, I love that that feature is there. Yeah. I, I really do. But, uh, in that particular instance, I feel like it takes away just a little bit. So, uh, all right, let's move on. Catherine has a great question. Why are the children on the moon many happy mask salesmen? What's your opinion or theory on those creepers and their philosophical ponderings? Um... That's a great question. I mean, like you know, you know me. I'm not much of like a theory guy. I just kind of take what's there as at face value. I I think that like so much of the moon that battle could could be explained as like maybe what we actually see isn't what is really in front of us or really what's happening. And like that that could be. I know that there are some theories that say that this entire game takes place within you know, the mind of Link. But I, I think that that moon portion in particular could, like, very well be, like, a, a portion that goes inside of Link's mind, and those are kind of, like, the devils on his shoulder telling him about life and friendship and stuff like that. And, like, he sees them as mini mask salesmen because he already associates that guy with masks. So I, I, that could be a reason. Um, I never really thought too hard about that, to be honest. Yeah, I, I thought it was weird. Like, I definitely thought it was odd, but... I, I do, I, I think I kind of agree with what you're saying. Like Majora's Mask, the entity that's in the mask or whatever you want to call it, definitely kind of messes with people's brains. I mean, we saw that with Skull Kid completely, right? 
he took the you know school kids negative feelings and manifested like this tenfold energy from it and made him like do all these really bad things so I could totally see you know you're up in the moon and the entity is like messing with Link's head taking things that he has experienced in the last quote-unquote three days you know and like messing with his brain like it's all just psychological warfare that's going on in there it's not too much like physical stuff for link i feel so Mm -hmm. and then as far as like the the like philosophical ponderings i can't remember all of them but like i'm pretty sure one of them is like do you think you're a good person or something like that and i think i thought that part was interesting because you know you're going through this game and a lot of it is yeah zelda you're going and doing a dungeon but you're also making connections with all these characters that have to make these really life-altering decisions um you know the moon's falling are we gonna stay here and die or are we gonna try and escape like what's gonna happen to us so i i feel like it's making you as the player think really hard about a lot of the decisions that the characters made what decisions you would have made and that kind of stuff like it just kind of makes you think deeply. Yeah, fair enough. Um, all right, let's move on. Retro123Gamer asks, would you want to see the mask mechanic come back uh, in a new game, or are they better suited to just Majora's Mask? Uh, well, I think that, in a way, a lot of the mask mechanics did come back in Breath of the Wild, where you get masks and they have different properties that you can have. Um, like, if you put on the Bacoblin mask, you, Bacoblins are less likely to see you. I think that that is probably the extent of how mask power should be used in future games. Like, we have Majora's Mask, and unless you're going to do, like, a Link Between Worlds-style sequel to Majora's Mask, I think that that game should have its unique mechanic stay unique to the game. Yeah, I, I like, am half and half. I'm one of those people who's, like, Majora's Mask is a masterpiece in itself, and I while I loved everything in it and I would love to see it all again, like if in Breath of the Wild 2 you could transform into a Goron and roll around, that would be cool. But at the same time, I'm like, no, I kind of feel like it's really good where it is. And I don't, it's like when you think of a series, a, a TV show or something, and it's gone on way too long, you know, they should have just kept it at a certain point and it would have stayed really good and in that bubble of a very good show. I feel like that with this game. I kind of want to keep all the mechanics in that very good, like, game as much as I would love to see them in other games, but I think that would oversaturate what I really liked about the game originally. Yep, I I think that that is uh, spot on. Okay, let's keep going here. Adriel has a question for us, Allison. When you first played Majora's Mask, how did the three-day mechanic feel to you? I just finished the game last year for the first time because I could not wrap my head around it and gave up as a kid. What do you think? Um, I think if we had experienced it differently, it might have been a different story. But my brothers and I went into Majora's Mask directly after playing Ocarina of Time because we had that collector's edition GameCube, you know, collection. And we had a guide. So we were using the guide very extensively. And I just feel like it was okay for us. We didn't have very many frustrations with it. But like I said, we had a guide. If we went into it completely blind... I think we might have been frustrated. You know what? I was trying to think, and like I, so I played Majora's Mask when it came out, um, and I would have been like thirteen or something like that at the time, and and I didn't struggle with it. Uh, so I think that the three day mechanic was okay for me. But a couple years ago, actually, um, I had my wife play Ocarina of Time, and um, 
she finished that with, uh, with a little help from yours truly. But uh, she finished that, beat Ganon, and I was like, okay, well, we should play Majora's Mask next. And Sam just, like, didn't get the three-day mechanic. Like, it, it was very um, obtrusive to her. Mm-hmm. And, like, I can totally understand that. Yeah. And I can totally see... I Like, Majora's Mask would never be a Zelda game that I would tell people to play if they've never played Zelda before, right? Like, it's it's kind of a confusing mechanic, and I can totally see that perspective where, like, people are just a little bit turned off and, like, a little bit, uh, I, I don't know. Because if you don't know any better, like, it seems very repetitive, right? Like, mm-hmm. to do all the same stuff over and over and over again. Um, particularly if you don't know about the Song of Diverted Time, which the game doesn't really go out of its way to tell you about. Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I can I can totally understand that perspective. Me myself, I never had that issue, but um, Sam did. So yep, I get it. Like I said, if if we yeah. went into it a different way, I think we would have had a similar experience. Um. All right, we got a question from Bathanon. Bathanon. I'm sorry, I've probably said your name wrong. Can Andy explain how Majora's Mask is a lot better than Ocarina of Time? No. <laughs> sorry. Next question. Uh, this one is from um, Quigs. We got like uh, we got like a ton from Quigs here in a row. Actually, let's Speed let's rap. fire them off rapid style. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Which new song in Majora's Mask is the best? Uh, <laughs> probably Oath to Order. Really? I like that one a lot. I know Song of Healing's really good too, but I like Oath to Order. Oh, okay. I was not expecting that Oath to Order. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna say Clock Town. Cause, oh, I, mean, like, I was thinking down. like I was thinking Ocar- like the ocarina songs for some reason, not like the overall soundtrack. Oh well, okay, overall soundtrack. Okay, and then yeah, Clock Town is best. <laughs> okay, um, song of healing for ocarina songs okay. for sure. <laughs> um, who is the goddess of time? Is she the one we already know? Yes. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think so. Probably. Um, what is the hardest part of the game? Um, hmm. you know what? I was watching Nico play yesterday and we were talking about how you can get all the fairies, um, in the snowhead, his snowhead temple, right? Snowhead dungeon, whatever. Um, yeah. and for some reason it's really easy to forget to turn those fairies in and go back in time. So <laughs> I don't know if that's really hard, but it's definitely something that I feel like a lot of people have had issues with in the past. Um, hardest part of the game there's two of them first the hardest and when i say hard most frustrating scaling up the canyon to get to stone tower temple and you have to play the um your yeah. ocarina like a million times to make little statues of you is dreadful um th- that's probably the worst part of the game i wouldn't say it's the hardest but it's, pr- it's the worst part second would be when you're beneath the well and you have to get or beneath the well when you're in the uh what is it called it's not beneath the well anyways when you're when you're trying to get to Econa castle and you have to bribe all the gibdos with like bugs and potions and stuff like that you can optimize it really well but if you don't know what you're doing beforehand which is probably most players i'm like that can be you know frustrating as well yeah yeah um so yeah there you go uh who would win in a fight between uh darmani and macau darmani i mean yeah darmani come on come on now uh, last question for Quigs. Who in Termina would you spend the final hours with before the apocalypse? Uh, wow. I don't know. <laughs> I 
I would, I don't know, I'd either be at the milk bar, like getting absolutely <laughs> crazy, or I would be with the hand in the toilet because that dude oh my doesn't God. have anyone else. <laughs> well, he's just going to die alone. Oh, you know? no. <laughs> I'd probably be at the farm with all the people that are like watching the moon fall, you know, like all the people okay. that decided to leave. Okay. That's, that's a good answer. That's probably a better answer than mine. Um, Adriel has another question. What do you wish was happening at the Carnival of Time at the end of the third day? I wish that there is a big happy wedding between Anju and Cafe and that people were drinking lots of milk and doing their thing and everyone was happy. I wish that you could go to the farm where everybody has like gone to escape and like see all the people there watching the moon fall. Because I think that would have been a really cool part to add to the game. You know what I mean? You, there's the people that stayed in town and, like, the guards and the carpenters and stuff like that. And you see them when you're trying to climb up that tower. But I think it would be a cool, be a cool detail if you could run over to Romani Ranch and see all the people there. Uh, Tony has a question. Why is Majora the best villain in the Zelda series? And why is it a crime he wasn't added to Smash? Uh, I don't think that Majora is the best villain in the Zelda series, but I do think that it's bogus that he wasn't playable in Smash. I think that it's bogus that, like, Zelda is the second biggest franchise of Nintendo. Maybe third, if you want to argue Pokemon. But, like, it they we it's a huge franchise for Nintendo, and we haven't had a new character come in since Super Smash Bros. Melee. And don't give me that about Toon Link. He's the same guy as Young Link. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that that's bogus. Majora should have been in Smash, for sure. Um, I don't know how I would have seen Majora be, like, utilized in Smash, but I I feel like there would have been other deserving Zelda characters to be added to Smash, so I also agree that he's not the best villain. I just think that he's an interesting one. Like, he's definitely the one that makes you really think, like, what the heck is going on with this mask, this hatred? What What is the backstory here? So he's definitely very unique and interesting. Uh, Skyform Anthony has a great question. How would you rank the four main dungeons of the game and why is Stone Tower Temple wherever you put it? So I think we, we did do this on our anniversary episodes, but I would go, um, probably Woodfall number one, probably Snowhead number two, probably Great Bay number three, probably Stone Tower number four, just because I hate playing the Elegy of Emptiness and making the, the statues and stuff all over the place um but I, like i i actually feel like the the dungeons of majora's mask are relatively on the same level in terms of quality yeah and like they're they're like a consistent let's say seven or eight out of ten but there's there's not like that really wow dungeon among them but they're they're all like fairly decent um my list is almost exactly the same as yours except i think i would switch snowhead and when uh, woodfall at least at this point, I don't re exactly remember what my list was two years ago. But, um, I don't know. I just kind of like Snowhead better. Uh, I feel like I enjoyed going through it. Woodfall is just a little too easy. And then Great Bay was just like a hot mess and Stone Tower was worse. So, <laughs> I just don't... I'm not a huge fan of Stone Tower. And I know I know people really, really like that dungeon. I don't know why. It's, it's just odd to me it's an odd placement it feels like they had to come up with something and that's what they came up with where the other ones are very heavily themed and the elegy of emptiness is just awful and i don't know i just don't like it uh yeah okay let's move on to a question from uh jimmy fabes 
He says, if Majora's Mask was made now, would you want any of the three transformation masks to be swapped out for a different race? Uh, and presumably we're talking about a Rito mask here. Um, so I will say, uh, I think that that would be cool for sure. But I think that Rito is really the only one that you'd really want to add in. I, I, I don't think I'd want to take away any of the, any of the others. Um, Korok and Deku are pretty much the same thing. So that's kind of is what it is. Um, Ritu would be cool, and I feel like that... We had a question that asks if the Ritu existed, how would a transformation mask have worked? I feel like it would work very similar in the way that um, you control Medley in The Wind Waker, where like you could fly for like a short burst of time. So I think that that would have been good. But other than that, I mean, I guess... Uh, like Gerudo, I, I don't think you really need a transformation mask because they are very similar to Hylians. Um... I don't think there's anyone else, really. I mean, you, you wouldn't want Pecori, you wouldn't want Anuki, you wouldn't want... Uh, I, I don't know, is there any is there anything that maybe stands out to you for another race that you might want to put in? Um, I guess, like... I guess the Minish, maybe? Like... Uh, I don't... Uh, yeah. Because, like, maybe you could just, I don't know, shrink down and they're it basically very Minish Cap-like mechanics you shrink down and there'd be like a dungeon down there i don't know but maybe magma too would be interesting it's just i always think of them as kind of goofy and this isn't really a goofy game so yeah but i could see the mechanics yeah. working and a dungeon being able to be used with them so yeah it's very hard because those are like the three main races that we see in almost every game so it's hard, hard to pick any of those one-off you know species yeah. Um, all right. I skipped over a very important question here from Quiggs. He's asking the PG version of this question, but we all know what's up. Uh, date, Mary kill. Anju, Kremia, Lulu. Uh, Al, what do you think? I'd marry Anju, I'd date Kremia, and I'd kill Lulu. Okay. You don't need I'd an explanation. I'd marry Kremia, I would date Lulu, and I would kill Anju. Wow! She's already married. <laughs> Why? <laughs> she's already married. Oh, <laughs> I mean, why, technically, she's not. She she gets married at the end in the credits. Uh, well, I guess that's true. Um, all right, let's uh, let's go to another question from Jimmy here. Which Majora's Mask characters are better than their Ocarina of Time counterparts, and which are worse? Perhaps a top and bottom three. So I think the one that immediately comes to mind for me in terms of ones that are better are um, Anju is much better than the chicken lady <laughs> from Kakariko Village. Yeah. The postman is definitely much better than the running man from Ocarina of Time. Um, and that, and, and I guess I have one that immediately came to mind as well in terms of like worse. I think that Lulu is not as exciting as Ruto. Yeah. Um, those are the ones that immediately came to my mind. Are there any that come to yours? I was thinking Kremia isn't like uh, as exciting as adult malin you know she's kind of like i don't know she's got a she's got like a sus kind of side story going on i think she's if i remember right she kind of sounds in love with her best friend's dude or something and so she's kind of sus and then um, i would agree with lulu actually she's got some situation going on and i don't i, I like ruto's spunk and uh mm -hmm. her like attitude better 
And Andrew, yeah, you're right. Obviously, definitely better. I also really enjoyed getting to see some personality in, like, the Carpenters and realizing that there's, like, a whole family involved. Like, the dude who runs the chicken ranch over there right. is his son and stuff like that. And uh, so, yeah, like, I, it's kind of hard to pick. There's a lot of little side characters that are hard to think of, but those are the main ones that pop in my head. Yeah, I, I can't really think of any um off the top of my head like there's a lot more original characters than i think that we give credit for yeah. in this game like um uh pamela and her dad like all the deku guys are new um a lot of the zoras are new um a lot of the the important gorons are new um, and a lot of people in Clocktown are new too so yeah there's really not i don't think there is as much as we maybe think so yeah let's move on uh dash sword slash has a question. Would you guys want to see a game expanding the story between Majora's Mask and Twilight Princess? I know Andy will say no because he doesn't care about the hero shade, so this question can be for Al. You're actually wrong. I, I would be down to see a game uh, exploring that. Sure. Maybe that would make... Uh, it's not that I don't like the, the hero shade. I, I think that that is fine. I just... I really more so didn't like the idea that this you know timeline split up because we died in Ocarina of Time. So... If anything, I'd want to see a game maybe reconciling that and explaining to me how, even though I whooped Ganondorf's butt, like, why there's a timeline dedicated to me losing that fight. So, uh, yeah, I, I would be down to see that, sure. Um, I think somebody asked a, a kind of similar question a little bit later from Facebook, um, where in which there would be a trilogy of these three games, Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, and then a third that kind of describes... Uh, reaching the point of becoming Hero Shade. That's from Alexander Heibel. Sorry if I said your last name wrong. But I kind of like that idea because I'm very interested to see if Breath of the Wild becomes a trilogy, and I thought it was going to with... Um, I think it will. <laughs> I thought it was going to with Age of Calamity, but I, I wouldn't consider Age of, Calamity, Age of Calamity a prequel. I just I just don't. So I would be super... I would have been super interested to see if that series would come to light um someday in the future because everybody knows that link is the hero shade he kind of just got lost in the lost woods looking for his friend and that's what he became so i would love to see that portion and have it continue from like the the really like deep emotions that link was feeling in majora's mask after his friend left you know what i mean yeah i like i'd be totally down for that yeah, yeah. so don't assume dash sword slash don't assume <laughs> Because you know what it does. <laughs> All right, Wolflink004 has a question. Do you think the game would have benefited from more dungeons, or is this a case of less is more? Less is more. I, I, yeah, I feel like our answers are going to be the same here, Al, knowing you as I do. Less is more, I think, particularly with this game where there's so many side quests and mm -hmm. other things to sink your teeth into. Um, I just like one of the things about a game like A Link Between Worlds or A Link to the Past or even both Oracle games is like you have all of these dungeons and they start to blend together mm -hmm. a little bit towards the end. Yeah, like even in a game like Twilight Princess, like you get to the end of the of the game and it's like, oh my God, like I just want to finish this game. I just completed like this 20 hour dungeon city in the sky and there's another dungeon that I have to do now, Palace of Twilight. And then I have to go do the Hyrule Castle. So like, I actually, I really think that like less is more when it comes to dungeons. Like um, Ocarina of Time is maybe the exception to that yeah. because I think those dungeons are done so well. But I, like Minish Cap is one of my favorite Zelda games. It only has five dungeons. Um, 
Skyward Sword, even, I, what did we say? It has seven dungeons, is that right? Oh, I would have to count. <laughs> and, and I feel like Skyward Sword is, even that is, like, kind of pushing it, because by the time you're at the Fire Sanctuary, it's like, all right, like, I, I'm, I'm ready to kind of mm-hmm. get rocking and rolling here. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that less is more. I think, like, five or six is a really good number. And, you know, obviously it depends on, like, the length and complexity of those dungeons. But, um, you know, if you're if you're going to have less dungeons, I think, generally speaking, Zelda has shown us that those dungeons will be more intricate and complex. So, yeah, I, I think that less is more. And especially with all the side quests, I, I'm, I'm totally fine with... Um, the amount of dungeons that we had. Maybe the moon could have been expanded a little bit. How about that? I mean, sure. I I personally think that less is definitely more with this particular game. Um, it's just that I already think that the cho- the dungeons are kind of chory in this game, and they're not my favorite part. Um, one could argue that Clock Town, if you were to do it as a whole, um, could be like a dungeon because there are puzzles there are enemies that you have to face along the way in those like side quests and such so you could argue that that as a whole could be a whole nother dungeon if you want um i also like in breath of the wild that there's only four dungeons plus an optional fifth one you know because like it's just sometimes you don't want to do all that much because there's a whole world for you to explore you know what i mean like if you have a million dungeons in one game i.e the oracle games like there you there's almost not enough like other content or worldly content to counterpart how many dungeons there are in those games so it's not as fun in my opinion right yeah i i think that i can uh, definitely agree with that so yeah less is more as a general rule um okay so there's a lot of questions that i feel like we've kind of answered or kind of touched on here so i'm, I'm gonna skip over a few of them and just kind of pick out the ones that are um stuff that we haven't touched on at all uh cory richmond has a question great war of Ikana. pick a side garrow or stalfos i'm going garrow man those guys are cool <laughs> they come out from the shadows they slice and dice you they got that cool mask i definitely garrow i i don't remember what is the conflict like what are what is their issue uh i can't remember right like but i know that yeah I know. I can't remember. And I'm, the people are going to take us to task for not being able to remember. But there definitely was the Great War. Um, I don't know. So You know, sometimes you just don't like somebody and you got to fight them. <laughs> yes, that's a good right? thing to teach people. <laughs> if you don't like somebody, just fight them. <laughs> yeah, just start a fight. There you go. Oh, my gosh. Uh, tell them you heard on the Champions cast. Um, okay, let's uh, let's go to a question from, um, from Quigs here. Would you be interested in a game set in a reimagined Termina? What would that be like, and what would you like to see? So, so, kind of yes. Kind of yes. Part of me feels like Majora's Mask is so unique and special that it should just be left alone. Um, and if you were to ask me if, like, in Ditto with Ocarina of Time, if, like, eventually Nintendo should, like, remake them, kind of like uh, HD, all this new stuff or whatever, I would totally say yes. But... In the in the context of this question, seeing I'm I'm imagining like a sequel to Termina, and I think that you could do that because I believe it's either in the Zelda Encyclopedia or I think I think it's in Zelda Encyclopedia where they kind of infer that Termina was like a dream world in a sense, mm-hmm. and I didn't really like that actually. I didn't like that at all. But using that, you could bring that world back if you wanted to. So I, I, I think that it would have to use a lame story device in order to get there. 
but maybe the destination would be worth the road that you took to get there. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. I just, when you said use a lame story device to get it back, I immediately thought of, well, for some reason, Palpatine is still alive. So, <laughs> from, the, from the sequel Star Wars movies. Um, I personally like Termina in its own little bubble and like having it be this weird trip dream for Link or Skull Kid or whoever's imagination you're in. I just like, I like that it's by itself on its own in this different plane and I kind of just want to keep it there. I feel like Termina was this one done magical place that we all got to visit as kids and can revisit as adults replaying this game, but I don't really want to see it pop back up again. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Um, all right. Jimmy Fames has another good question here. If you could improve one side quest, what would it be and how would you do it? Al, I, I need to stall for time here so you can go first. <laughs> <laughs> rude <laughs> um wow i you know what i kind of i don't remember what the gordon brothers or whatever their names are i kind of would have liked to see that a little bit more build up to that like um maybe have it be on the third day and have townsfolk kind of talk about how things are being stolen or um how they don't feel safe going around termina at night or going near the ranch at night because of people like bandits or whatever i kind of like would have liked to see that built upon and have it be something more suspenseful rather than you kind of hear about it once and then you're being chased by them at night at one point right you know i i don't know that i have a specific side quest but i i maybe i'll say that i would have put in another side quest that kind of matched the scope of the andrew side quest um, maybe not to the same extent, because I feel like you, sh the Majora's Mask was, was smart to have, like, one side quest definitely stand out above the rest, mm -hmm. but, like, I would have put in a side quest that was, like, maybe a couple days worth, or, or intricate or whatever, and I would have based it in either Deku Palace or the Goron, or, or, I, frankly, any of the, the settlements, like, on the Zora, Goron, or Deku Palace, just to give you kind of, like, um like a reason to go back after you've done the dungeon. And I think that uh, Zora's domain uh, has more reason to go back because there are a few different side quests that you can do with the Indiegogos. So maybe not that one, but I, like, I feel like there's generally not... I, Deku Palace in particular, I feel like there's generally not like a whole lot of reason to go back after you're done there. So maybe I'd put another side quest in there. I wonder if they, with the Deku Palace going back, if they could have incorporated something like investigating what happened to the butler's son, you know, before everybody knew that the, you know, the tree and at the beginning of the game was the butler's son, it would have been kind of interesting and heartbreaking to kind of find him and figure out what happened to him and that you took his, you know, like you have his mask basically. Right. That would have been interesting. Wow, that's sad. Yeah. Thanks, Al. Depressing. Um, Adriel has, yeah, no kidding. Uh, Rhea has another question here. Which mask would you want in real life, powers and all? This is easy for me, but Allison, what say uh, you? Ah, bunny hood. That would have been in come in handy in the Air Force. <laughs> uh, I'm taking Majora's mask, man. I want to be all powerful. I want to be able to make tentacles out of my arms. I would have countered that yeah. with fierce deity mask. Actually, I feel like it's a lot more powerful but kind of scary because like you th yeah i'll take that one too you would think it's good but like isn't there like kind of a legend that it's also very could be as evil as major oh, yeah mask? they they outwardly say that wow yeah, yeah that's kind of cool that's very interesting i'd like to know more about that 
Um, I think that, uh, let's see here. I think that the mask of truth would be cool. Cause then you could talk to like animals. I could talk to my dog. So when he's barking, I could be like, Lincoln, what, what's going on, buddy? Why are you so riled up? What's the matter? And he could tell me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would be fun. So that would be nice. Um, definitely. Or maybe the all night mask. I definitely wouldn't want the, the circus mask. That's the worst one. Oh for my sure. gosh. Um, all right, let's keep on going here. Um, a mad, this is a cool question. This is from Mew D. I don't even try to say it. It's from Mew. So thank you so much. Imagine you can enter Hyrule Field for Mockery of Time, but with Majora's items. Would you enjoy Goron rolling around Hyrule Field, swimming through Lake Hylia with the with the Zora mask? Uh, it would be like Pokemon Gold and Silver with Kanto. So not really a question so much because I think like you know. Yeah, I would love to roll around with the Goron Mask in Hyrule Field. That'd be so awesome. Or, like, swimming in Lake Hylia. There's not really anywhere to use the Deku Mask, but, like, just rolling around the Lost Woods with that I think would be fantastic. So, yeah, I would love that. Yeah, I think that would be fun, like, a little bonus kind of deal. I think it would I think it would take away from what Termina is and about, but, like, the idea itself sounds fun. Uh, all right, Lulu has a question for us. Uh, not the Zora Lulu, but uh, the Champions Cast Lulu. <laughs> what is the most ridiculous mask? I think that we already answered that question earlier. <laughs> the the stone mask. I mean, this I, thing is so ugly. I mean... It's so ugly. I feel like Kamaro's mask is super weird. <laughs> it's very faceless, yeah, that one is except weird, for his it? head, and it automatically makes you be able to do this dance that you could have just watched the guy and like replicated it. You didn't need to have his mask on. That one definitely seems very ridiculous to me. Alright, I'd love to see you do that dance without the, uh, <laughs> the mask. I used to be in competitive dance. I promise you I could do it. <laughs> Yeah, me too. Uh, maybe the Dongaro mask, actually, too, because it's just a big frog, and you can <laughs> just, like, conduct on your some keys if you have it. Um, that one's pretty ridiculous, yeah. There, I mean, there's a lot of contenders, right? Yeah, there uh, are. The blast mask, you just you, you blow your face up, Th- right? That... Like <laughs> Dangerous. Don't the children, yeah. like the little kids in the Bombers gang, t- talk about wanting it? They're like, oh, that's so cool. Uh, no, you're like three. Calm down. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, we we're gonna run long here, Al. But we that was the Discord questions, and we have some Facebook questions. Do we just want to power through and and knock some of these out of the the park as it were? Let's do it. All right. Rapid fire. Uh, Remy asks, Do you think Majora's Mask will ever make a return in a future Zelda game? It already did in Breath of the Wild, and that's the only extent I think that it should and will come back. Yeah, I think Remy meant beyond Breath of the Wild. Um and possibly beyond just the notion that you could just walk around and enemies won't bother you. Uh, I agree. I don't think it should come back in any capacity. I would love to learn more about it, though. Like, if we find, if we stumble across a book or something in Breath of the Wild 2 in some long-forgotten library that talks about it in the Fierce Deity Mask, that'd be cool. I'd like to know more history. This, this is a great segue into the next question. Austin asks, Imagine if Nintendo were to announce a remake of Majora's Mask for the Switch in a brand new added DLC area. What new area of Termina would you like to see added to the game? I think that if they were to add a new area, it should be somewhere that kind of explores the origins of Majora and kind of gives yeah. you like a, a flashback idea of what Majora actually is. Kind of like in Metroid, they have like Chozo memories. Like give us the same thing with like Majora memories. Um Austin also says, like, you can add a new transformation mask, dungeon, race of creatures, etc. I'm not really interested 
too much in that. You could add the Rito mask if you wanted, but I, I would want to know more about the origins of Majora's mask. Um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to steal that from you and say the same thing. And I would also like to add that I wouldn't really care about adding a new area as far as dungeon and like place to greatly explore because I feel like there's a very themed story going on here and the areas each play a part in it. And so adding another would just kind of throw a wrench in the whole thing. So, but I would like, I, I like your idea. Just kind of add something that we could go and figure out more about what the heck these masks are. Well, this question makes me extremely sad. Tim asks, how do I save the Deku Butler's son? You can't. Wow. Um, that's just, that's a heartbreaking question. Um, which will actually, that, you know, that's a good segue. I'm going to skip ahead a few questions here. Mason had a, a question. Do you wish to see the themes of grief, loss, and acceptance return in a new game, or would you like to see a full-blown remake of Majora's Mask? So obviously, sure, we'd be down for a remake of Majora's Mask, but I think that, um, I do think that in a lot of ways, Breath of the Wild is also a game about, you know, grief, loss, and finding acceptance towards the end of the game. Maybe not on the same level mm -hmm. as Majora's Mask, but I, I think that that has the similar kind of themes, and I think that those are always themes that are you know, really good story devices and, you know, um, ripe to, to be explored. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't, I don't think I would want to see them as heavily used as they are in Majora's Mask. And once again, if anybody hasn't played Rhyme, these themes are very heavily used in that game. And I 100% suggest it, um, or recommend it, but like to be used again in like that capacity, I, I wouldn't want it to do that because like i said i don't want to oversaturate something i already love right uh well let's stick with the sad questions here randy has a question do you guys think that this game represents the stages of accepting death basically what's your thoughts on the link is dead theory in majora's mask so this theory has been around for forever where the the argument is that link died in ocarina of time and this game represents the stages of, of accepting you know the end um, so I, I don't think that uh, just because the game has themes about accepting death, um, I don't think that the that this theory is, is literal because, I mean, your goal is to stop death from occurring, right? Like it's to stop the apocalypse. Yeah. So I, I think that there are certainly themes about grief, about about um, loss and, and kind of the staring the end in the face, but rising to the challenge to say no and uh encounter that so um you know it, it would have been easy i think for the people of clock town for link to look at this moon coming down and say like there is nothing that can stop this but that's not what happens in majora's mask so uh, i i like that uh i like that this game in the end does have a positive message and uh things do work out in the end so i i for that reason i don't really subscribe to the link is dead theory yeah because i think that uh I don't know. I, I, I do think that there's like a positive end to this journey. And and I guess you could argue too that maybe the positive end is him accepting he, he's at peace. But I, I just, I don't really subscribe to that theory. Yeah, I think it's more about the stages of grief than death uh, or accepting death. Um, grief can be about anything. And for this game, it makes a lot of sense that grief would be either Link losing his friend or Skull Kid losing his friends um, and not being accepted or anything like that. 
um, which I think is kind of the gist that was officially announced. It's basically like all in Skull Kid's imagination or whatever, um, which I prefer more than Link being dead because I, I do like the idea that Link kind of has this little side adventure while he's looking for Navi, and then he goes back to that adventure and becomes the uh, hero shade. So I prefer that uh, much more, and I just feel like this it makes more sense that this is all about the five stages of grief. Great. All right, uh, let's do let's do two more, and then we will get out of here. So this is from uh, the legendary Caleb Mosley <laughs> and Mr. Mosley, who actually has a new uh, Facebook page, by the way, called uh, Mosley's Power Hour. You should go check it out. Yes. Mosley asks, who is the greatest Zelda Dungeon Majora's Mask champion, and why is it Mosley? <laughs> I mean, that's just a statement of fact, right? Like, that's, that's not really a, a question. I remember playing uh, or watching Mosley and someone else play Majora's Mask. I can't remember who. Maybe it was Kevin. And it halfway through, in like a very competitive speed run, Mosley's like, ah, I'm going to take a dump. I'll be back. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my God. He just left. And I was, that, that right there is why you are the greatest Zelda Dungeon champion. Mosley Power Hour. That's such a perfect name for his new thing that he's got going on. I love it so much. Spectacular. Um, okay, let's end on this question because we're going long. Um, Sebastian has a great question. Where do Skull Kid slash Majora rank on the list of non-Ganon antagonists? Um, huh. I, so I, I think... Uh, go ahead. I was going to say, like, I don't really rank Skull Kid too much on it because I just feel like, yeah, Skull Kid did a few, like, questionable things, but not anything really evil. Well, he was influenced. Oh, okay. Just like Majora. Let's yeah, just, yeah, so I would Majora. rank Majora, like... Uh, I don't know, kind of like maybe medium top tier. I have a few non-Ganon villains that I think are better, but that's just because he's like this one and done thing that I don't know much about. Like he definitely seems super interesting, unique, intimidating, and I want to know more about this entity that's in this mask, but I don't know enough. I feel like there's more character development and insights into other villains that we've seen throughout the series. I mean, I would say like... It's either number one or number two. Because I'm thinking of the non-Ganon villains, right? So you've got Vadi, who comes to mind for me immediately. you got Majora, who comes to mind immediately for me. And I feel like those two kind of uh, stand above the pack. Well... Because after, like, other than that... I'm sorry, go ahead. Do you mean, like, are you considering the fact that Girahim and Zant have relations to Ganon? Because I don't consider uh, oh, that... Uh, you're right. Okay. Uh, Gearheim as well, obviously, is is in that conversation as well. So I it, I would say that top of the pack for me would be Vadi, Majora, Gearheim. Okay. A, a rung below that, I think, would be maybe Zant and Agonim, maybe. Um, a rung below that, I think, would be Yuga and um, Chancellor Cole. <laughs> and a, At a, the very, very bottom. Like, the absolute <laughs> Bottom tier would Bellum. be Bellum and Astard. <laughs> Those guys are bottom tier. I love for it. Sure. I love it. <laughs> uh, who else is there? Are we missing anybody else? Oh my gosh, I don't know. It's a big series to think about. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, we're we're missing uh, we're missing the Oracle guys, yeah. and maybe maybe Nightmare if you consider Nightmare, but I don't. Uh, anyways, I, yeah. To, to answer your question, I think he's either number one or number two. I think number one is either Majora or Vadi for me. Gearheim's number three. And 
Yeah, I don't know. You'd have to ask me on any given day. I yeah. don't mind that we only see Majora once because I think that the mystique, the visual, the the allure is the is crazy. like powerful enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so there you go. And so your your answer. I'm sorry, Al. I didn't even hear your answer. What'd you say? I kind of had a hard time placing him. I said mid middle of top tier for me because I like Garyheim and I like Zant and um I, I actually really like Yuga. And then Majora is just kind of like this really interesting, unique thing, but I don't know much about it. Like the whole time you're thinking it's Skull Kid, but it's actually this mask. So it's kind of hard to place him for me because I want to know more about it. Does that make sense? King Bulban is sweet. He'd be a top tier. <laughs> if if he didn't turn face at the end of Twilight Princess. What? I like that. Because he does. I like that. I, I like that too. That's a great moment, actually. Yeah. Maybe the best. Um, okay. Well, that is it for our Majora's Mask ask us anything thank you so much to everyone that asked a question we're sorry that we couldn't get to all of them but uh really really love doing these shows uh it's a it's a day off work for allison and i so we appreciate everybody uh asking us your questions um and with that said we will go on and we will go ahead and get out of here of course we want to encourage you guys to head on over to twitter give us a follow at spateri316 at Allison Aletha, and of course, head on over to Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Like and subscribe, and uh, tell that Zelda fan in your life where they can get their weekly Zelda fix. Virtual Theater Patreon is the place that you can go if you want to check out some Captain N content. You have no idea what this show is <laughs> until you've actually seen it, so I encourage everybody to go and check that out. Um, next week, we will be back with Hard Mode Ask or guess that Zelda dungeon. So that's going to be a lot of fun, I think. Uh, Until next week, everybody, we will see you then. Bye.